0: This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not meant for anyone younger than 13. Do not harass any of the names mentioned in this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to John vs. Film and today is the last movie I'm going to be covering for Lupin the third month and I'm doing the latest Lupin the third movie which is Lupin the third the first and I have probably seen this movie too many times already well to be fair it was part of it was because I was showing you know or just watching it with friends, but anyway, yep. So the latest Lupin the Third movie that came out in Japan twenty at the end of twenty nineteen, you know, before the good old the good old Rona came in and you know attack, hmm. but anyways. Sorry for that long bars. I I just my brain kind of just left my body for a second. Uh, but anyway, this movie is directed by Takashi Yamazaki and is also written by him. You know, so a very much an auteur film, and you know, technically with, you know, just, you know, with the director also writing the same film. Yeah, so Takashi, according to IMDb, Takashi Yamazaki, uh, I haven't seen any of his other directed films, but he has directed Stand By Me, Doraemon 2, uh, well, co-director, and he directed 2014 Stand By Me, Doraemon, and he directed 2010 Space, Space Battleship Yamamoto, So that's where he's from. But anyways, 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 we shall continue on with, you know, the discussion of Lupin the Third. And as, and you know what, we're we're just going to jump right into it. As how I do things on this podcast, I talk about the things I like first, then I go into my dislikes slash criticisms. And then I wrap it all up in an overall, you know, thought before I get into John versus Critics. But, which, yeah, the last two episodes I didn't have one because the movies were more niche and there's just not really finding any more, you know. There wasn't, you know, you weren't going to find a lot of reviews for them in the first place, but... Because this one is actually kind of a big budget, you know, Lupin movie, and it was actually played in theaters and all that. It was actually, you know, very, you know, I, I guess it's one of the more popular Lupin movies. I I found one on IMDb that I'm gonna rip on, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, what do I like about Lupin the Third, the first? Well, first of all, so. Something about this movie that stands out from the rest of the Lupin movies is that this is the first Lupin movie that is completely 3D animated, and this isn't 3D anime per se. The animation quality it seems some more like a like kind of like a DreamWorks, a Pixar, you know, Disney Studio type type of, you know, 3D animation, you know, but anyways, the animation here is really well done, like top notch, you know, visuals and everything. It's very well done. Like the animation, the 3D animation here, it translates the, you know, kind of the wacky 2D animation that Lupin's known for, you know, because here's the thing with anime, you know, it's a medium. It's it's just animation, though. But So there's not one style to it. But, the thing, you know, and I, I'm not going to get into the discussion of what's considered an anime and what's not considered an anime. But anyway, with a lot of, like, Lupin movies, you know, like, animation, I should say, he's very loose, cartoony, kind of that. And they transfer, translate that You know, Lupin aesthetic, that style, you know, very well to a 3D animated environment. And I uh, remember watching like a bonus feature or an interview with the director saying that they were initially going to go the route of motion capture, but because that would have been like easier to produce. However, he made the decision because motion capture could not capture the loop in the third animation you know or the style of loop in the third real. Well, you know he made you know he and his team they made the decision to do keyframe animation which is a lot more difficult to do than just you know rigging a mocap you know to an actor but the results speak for themselves the the one that like the keyframe it paid off. Yeah, it, it definitely took longer, I'm sure. And it was probably more work. But again, the results paid off. And, you know, I got to give credit to making a very smart decision like that. Not, ju- like, not just going for the easy route, but going for one that's, you know, really going to fit the movie and the franchise it's going for. You know, and one that fits the characters very well. And Also, the movie does a very good job justifying why it has to be 3D. Like, why couldn't it be a 2D animated movie? Like, because here's the thing, like, this does, like, a lot of, like, camera work that would have been not impossible, but ridiculously hard to pull off doing, like, 2D hand-drawn animation, where, like, uh, a good example is the death corridor scene, you know? near the end of the movie that was like holy crap you know just seeing lupin zip through and then the camera like revolving around him you know you could just tell from that scene alone yeah there would have been no way or i get i should say no way it's very much possible but it would have been extremely difficult to do that you know 2d like you would have to be so skilled to do that. It, it's crazy. But yeah, even then the lighting as well, the cinematography is all great. Uh and yeah, and like I mentioned, the Death Corridor scene, they've actually showcased that off in the trailers and stuff like that. It's very it's a very visually pleasing film. It is gorgeous to look at, and it's definitely like the standard of how to how you should translate a 2d anime art style into a 3d environment it does it does it perfectly honestly <laughs> you know and to be fair 3d anime has been getting better I recently watched the movie Bell which that's already up on my YouTube you know on my YouTube and podcast whatever it's all up. You know, all up there, but anyways, yeah, it's very cool. It's very good. You know, anime is gradually getting there, but there's always been kind of this, you know, weird funkiness. You know, not a lot of times the, you know, 2D anime style, you know, or styles of anime translates well into 3D, but it really just depends on the studio. Um, but yeah right here this was a perfect way to do it kudos to you know the creative team for pulling this off and yeah i could just gush about that (laughs) just the animation and visuals alone for the entire podcast but i won't i won't uh my next point what i like about this movie is that the music is absolutely top notch i mean that's no surprise, given that Yuji Ono composed it, of course. I mean, he's composed pretty much every Lupin Third Media since part two, almost, you know, but yeah, he. I want to say, this is my, like, I, I want to say, you know, in terms of the movies I've watched and all that, this is my favorite soundtrack. Yuji has done, because I think it's, I think part of it is that you can tell this movie had a bigger budget as well. So Yuji was probably allowed more, you know, like he had a bigger orchestra to work with, you know, and yeah, there's just like this very cinematic flair to Yuji you know, music, you know, and this movie that, you know, differentiates itself from the other Loop in the Third movies. Uh, and also, the placement of the music is really well done. And, yeah, it just, it's it's a knee slapper all around. <laughs> uh, but, no, <laughs> but seriously, though, uh, but I think my favorite part is, you know, when, other than the use of Loop in the Third's iconic theme, it's uh Zinigata's March. It's used really well in this movie. The da, da 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 You know. That that's you know is yeah, if I have to, you know, rank you know you know, and also Caliostro has a free, you know, fucking fantastic soundtrack as well, and yes, I'm gonna start swearing more to You know, accommodate for that explicit rating I put on my podcast, but I'm not going to say the F word too much, but here and there, you're going to find a little swear word. That's all that's going to happen. But anyway, yeah, of course. So anyway, pretty much almost all the, you know, three out of the four Lupin movies I covered this month, music top notch, you know, and. Funny enough, three out of four of them are composed by Yuji Ono. I wonder if there's a correlation. Anyway, on to my next point of what I like. I really like the new characters in this movie. Uh, So, you know, what's typical with Lupin the Third movies is that you kind of get introduced to like a new cast along with the, you know, returning cast of Lupin and co. You know. But here we got Leticia Uh let me look up the names real quick. You know, so yeah. We got Leticia, we got Gerald and Lambert. They're the three main new characters. You know we also have, you know, Bresson, you know, make You know, Professor Bresson, he's kind of a, he's a very minor character, but that has like a very big impact on the plot. But of course, we can't forget about Hans. Good old Hans. But anyway, you know, I really enjoyed the characters, you know, they felt, you know, I, I guess, you know, well done. You know, I don't even want to say new, I they're not really new. You know, I've seen, you know, the character archetypes before, but again, it's the execution of them that's really well done. You know, so Letitia, she's the new girl uh, or this movie's, you know, female protagonist, you know, for this Lupin movie. She's an archaeologist, or should I say, she wants to be an archaeologist, but she's kind of roped into this mess by, you know, her adoptive grandfather Professor Lambert, you know, and their Nazi plot. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't. Because this is going on YouTube, I can't say that word. Uh, well, I already said it. Shoot. Well, crap. Uh, well, from now on, they're German scientists, German, to, you know, uh, World War II German shenanigans group. Because YouTube likes censorship, and they don't want to confront real, you know, historical problems. You know, anyway. Uh, I mean, that should be fine on other podcast outlets, but yeah, for YouTube's sake, uh, we're we're gonna call them, you know, evil German World War Two people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Evil World War Two German people. And by the way, I'm not. I'm not German people are not evil. I'm. I, yeah, I just just to clarify, they're not. It's just these particular gentlemen. They they have a white supremacist goal. And they like a guy with a certain mustache, and that's part of the plot. You know. Anyway, the, so anyway, the professor. Bah, 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 Bresson, you know, he discovered, you know, a secret during World War II that could revolutionize, you know, human history. It's a secret, you know, it's a powerful device created by ancient civilization. You know, in the movie we find out it can generate black holes. And, but what makes, you know, this interesting is that Letitia you know, she's actually the granddaughter of Bresson and that's supposed to be kind of a twist in the movie but it's pretty obvious they kind of make it very obvious from the very beginning i don't think they were trying to hide it but i don't know but anyway you know of course unfortunately Leticia's grandfather and her parents die and you know evil german world war 2 person professor lambert he adopts Letitia because she might know the secret to, you know, Bresson's diary, you know. She may know something, even though she was a baby when they were killed, but she had, you know, a little amulet key thing that unlocks the journal and all that. But, yeah, you know, Letitia is, you know, kind of an interesting character. You know, she's, you know, she's a very good-hearted individual who really, you know, is passionate for archaeology, but she is forced to steal for her adoptive grandfather and you know his evil World War II German people buddies. Anyways, other than Leticia though, Gerald he he's not the you know evil dictator type, he's the loyal to evil mustache guy. No, again, I got to be very careful because of YouTube. I put this podcast on YouTube, even though I'm not popular or anything. But anyway, still got to be a little careful, you know. So Gerald thinks that Evil Mustache Guy is still alive after World War II. You know, if it's like what twenty some years later after World War, II, you know. So yeah, WW Two, and. He finds this, you know, he has this photo of evil mustache guy being, uh, you know, in a real chair. Oh, you know, as you know, proof that he's alive and they're finding this, you know, device for evil mustache guy. You know, so Gerald is very much a loyal to the cause. He doesn't look to be, you know, he's like a dedicated follower to evil mustache guy. And I you know, in one part, you know, that's kind of, you know makes him for an interesting antagonist a little bit, you know, because he's not he's not, you know, like an evil diabolical leader, but he's like, yeah, he's leading this group, but he's doing it for a bigger boss and he doesn't really care to be the big big boss, you know. And, but other than Gerald, Professor Lambert, he, he's, you know, interesting. So he was, you know, like, uh, during World War II, you know, he is a, you know, German science, archaeologist or social, uh, hang on, let me, let me look him up real quick. Lambert Yeah no. Oh that so the wiki is very very helpful. Yeah so I go on the Lupin Third wiki. Lambert Lambert is a character from Lupin the third the first. Thanks, Wiki. You are so helpful. Wow, what <laughs> what insightful you know <laughs> uh, What insightful knowledge you have there Wiki, oh good But in all serious though Lambert You know, he was a scientist You know, or professor Or whatever He worked, you know All you need to know, he's a smart dude Who used to work with, you know, For evil You know, World War II German people you know, the evil ones, not the good ones, the evil ones. But yeah, so he worked for them and he raised Letitia. So he's interesting because he's not black and white. So, I mean, of course he's evil and he actually has, you know, kind of his jealousy saying of not being as prestige as Professor Bresson. You know he's you know very envious about that. He's very envious you know of Letitia's natural ability of archaeology to the point where he plagiarized Letitia, and there is a quite abusive relationship you can tell going on. But at the same time, throughout the movie, you can tell that Lambert does care for Letitia as his own. You know because he did end up raising her. You know, again, that does not excuse all the evil crimes he's done, but it makes him for a more interesting character. Like, in the movie, he learns how to control the black hole device. And he actually burns Preston's journal, you know, which has the directions of how to use it. Gerald's like, what are you doing? And Lambert's like, buddy, I'm the only one who knows how to use it. I'm not, you know. I'm no longer interested in just trying to be, you know, the best, you know, a well-known professor. I now rule the world. Yeah, he backstabs Gerald, you know. Yeah, so, like, his motive, you know, like, he has very much an ego problem, but then he finally gets his device. But, of course, you know, there's a struggle on the airplane that the device is on. You know, Letitia is trying to set it up so... The device will. You know. Destroy itself. And Gerald was about to you know. Shoot. You know. Shoot Letitia from doing it. And as he pulls the trigger. Lambert actually. Steps in front of the bullet. You know. And actually saves Letitia's wife. Sacrificing his own. And he admits there you know. It's like. That initially he saw her as a tool. But. You know, at the same time, he ends up caring for her. So yeah, new cast. I actually like them. Very nice. So anyway, on to my fourth like. I really love the comedy in action. They are some of the best in the Lupin, you know, series in terms of movies. You know, that I've seen. Like, there's a lot of physical comedy moments. Just with Lupin in general, of how he moves and stuff. And also... Yeah like the action is very flowy It's very nice visually No Like A great example is So early in the movie Lupin gets caught by Inspector Zenigata For trying to steal the press and journal But Fujiko ends up stealing it from Lupin You know And give to Evil World War II German people But So, what happens, you know, is that Jigen and Goemon, they actually rescue Lupin, you know, from the police car. And there's this, like, really, you know, nice, you know, I guess, chase scene somewhat. It's not even really a chase scene. It's just an action scene where they're rescuing Lupin. And, yeah, they show off, you know, Goemon's and Jigen's, you know, abilities, like, how you know Jigen? You know, just casually unscrews a you know like an overhead highway signpost. Like he unscrews you know the nut by just shooting at you know certain points, and he doesn't even really look at it. You know, you know you you don't really see him aim for it. You know, it's kind of just like kind of a casual thing. That that's why Jigen's so cool, guys. Jigen is a badass, and also Goemon cuts the police, you know, car nicely in half, you know, separating Lupin from the press, and that's the action side. That that scene I wanted to talk about specifically, but even then, the comedy is there's some really funny comedy. Like Goemon actually gets a really great comedic scene, so. And, you know, later in the movie when they're trying to get to the device, you know, they have to go through trials and the second trial they have to face is one where, you know, they kind of have to make a bridge or from these, you know, I guess star particle things, but they only react to, you know, positively to a meteorite you know, fragment or meteorite metal. Uh but yeah, as anything else, they react, you know, very you know aggressively. They you know pretty much, uh if you don't have a meteorite on you, don't do it. But anyway, you know, Fujiko even asks Lupin, hey, can you pull out me Hey, do you have a meteorite? And Lupin's like, oh yeah, sure. Let me just pull it out of my pocket. Yeah, like I have everything for it. And then, but Jigen notices Goimon, you know, looking suspicious. And Jigen's like, hey, what's up? And Goimon's like, no, don't, don't even, you know, it's like, don't even involve me on this. And then he got a, you know, as like, oh, I get it. Your sword's made out of, you know, meteorite metal. Goimon just gets like, so defensive, like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Even that's true, it's ridiculous. And then the evidence is that it starts forming a bridge as goemon's trying to hide his sword. And then they have to use, you know, the sword to, you know, they have to leave the sword there to form the bridge and everyone can cross. goemon's just like, just so humiliating for my blade. <laughs> even tried... You know, this is the last to cross over. Lupin has to go, like, come on, Goemon, let's go. And then Goemon, you know, says, no. <laughs> He's always pouting. I don't want to leave this family. And Lupin's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> yeah. And there's, like, great, you know, little funny scenes like that throughout the movie. And the final point of what I like about this movie is that I find it to be very faithful to the Lupin franchise. You know, not just. You know, like, the characters, they definitely feel like they're characters. They give Zenigata his army of policemen that loyally follow him and do what he says. You know, it's very great. The opening, you know, credits, they have a very much an intro-like thing. You know, something you would see in, you know, for the anime, like an opening intro sequence, and they reference, you know, Like previous, you know, Lupin franchise, like the classic Lupin running from bullets in the spotlight. They do that. They have Fujiko's posing, you know. And that's just a, by the way, that's just a, the opening credits, just go watch that on YouTube as well. That's just phenomenal. Phenomenal, you know, animation sequence that feels so in line to, that, get, that really sets up the tone That yep this is definitely a Lupin movie But even right after You know the opening credits They do a little title thing Just like the But it's like done in a way that's done in the Lupin anime Where it's like a typewriter Typing the title You know and they play this Right you know soundtrack You know for that You know so again Huge props on that, you know, for keeping in faith to the Lupin franchise. And I think that's definitely benefits this movie overall being so faithful to the Lupin franchise like that. So, yeah, I've rambled on for almost uh, half an hour about what I like about this movie. Let's get into what I dislike about this movie. So, well, first of all, I got to mention Jigen, he's too damn sexy. Now, as a heads up, I, I am a straight guy. So as a straight male, I, I have to admit, though, Jigen is way too sexy in this movie. I'm, you know, I, you I, know, I, like, dude, like, he's a lady killer. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very, my ego is hurt by his, you know, you know, objective you know physical appearance. Just being off the charts. I mean Jigen has never been you know. Ugly per se. No no he's always been like an 8 or. 9 out of 10. I mean by the way ratings are BS. But if we're due to ratings. But man they. They t- they turn up the notch. You know it's overboard man. Like. I, I'm just saying. I'm questioning myself now. You know, because Jigen is too damn sexy in this movie. You know, so, you know, I, I want to be him. Maybe I want to date him. I, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very conflicted with my p- <laughs> my opinions on sexy Jigen. <laughs> okay, that, that was a joke dislike, but there's going to be quite a bit joke dislikes because I, I really like this movie. Uh... Next one though is Okay you know that That's probably like the big joke one With Jigen being too sexy and make me feel You know Incompetent with my own appearance Uh, (laughs) But anyway uh, My next point is that the Lupin gang Are sidelined once again Yeah so There's not too much of You know of Goemon, Jigen, Fujigo, and Zenigata I mean they do show up in the movie And they actually do play a role Into the movie and they have some great bits But I just wish The movie was had them more Involved into the plot They they just really feel Like side They feel more like side characters And which making The ma- new characters plus Lupin The main characters And I just I wish you know the game wasn't kept gang sidelined in these movies is what I would have wish you know I could say in favor of new characters because Lupin Gang is really they're really great characters, it's just kind of frustrating anyway. But my next point, you know, and now we're getting to now, this one is not the English dub's fault, but I dislike that I can't watch the English dub now. I'm actually a dub defender. <laughs> I know there's this whole dub versus sub thing, you know, and I love good English dubs. And the reason why I love, love good English dubs is because subtitles, you know, even though it's great hearing, you know, the original Japanese cast and they do phenomenal top job. I wish I Know Japanese, so I wouldn't have to be distracted by the subtitles to know what's going on. You know, so that that's just the thing. You know, subtitles can be very distracting from what's going on visually, and I really just and sometimes I really just want to look at the visuals. But of course, they're talking, so I have to, you know, pay attention to the bottom of the screen and watch, you know, listen to, you know, watch read the subtitles or whatever. But anyways, the problem here is this isn't like the other anime. So, what makes anime e you know particularly easier to dub than say live action is that the mouth movements or like most Japanese anime they don't really you know pay it. There's not a particular you know focus on matching. You know, the lip motion, you know, or there's not lip syncing, it's just more of an open, closed, you know, mouth, you know, just kind of repeat, you know, the same ones. It's to save on animation, but it's also the reason why we get a bridge series like DBZ A Bridge. But, yeah, you know, but here in this movie, that's not the case. With this being 3D animation, they actually did, a, you know, this is going to be another credit to the animation. They do a really great job of lip syncing. The lip sync is on point, which is a problem for the English Dove. So, this is not the English Dove's fault, but I can't really watch it because it's an uncanny value effect because the voice acting, the English voice acting, no, does not match up with. What the characters are actually saying on screen. So it's very distracting at that part. Like, first time I tried to watch this movie, I tried to watch the English dub. So, but I, I just, I had to turn it to the Japanese version because I was just so distracted by, you know, the out of sync, you know, of the lip movements there and it just pulled me out of the movie. So I, I think that's a shame. You know, if only, you know, just as kind of a side tangent. There is a way to. You know. Avoid this issue. Is that to have the English dub. You know. Be part of the you know initial production. And you know. Do lip syncing there. And I bring this up because that has been done. In both film and video games. Two examples being. Final Fantasy 7 Remake. You know. They have you know. Lip syncing. To what language you are. Playing the game in. So the lip sync matches. Really well with you know. The English you know. You know dove of the game. As well as the Japanese. Version of the game. You now. So that's one example. Where it's that's done well. And another example where they. You know and that. But for Final Fantasy 7 Remake though. That's using like kind of like a. Technology AI thing. I believe, if I remember correctly, I remember watching behind the scenes, you know, footage of that. But going back to anime, though, you know, the anime *Beastars* they actually, you know, they actually do have, you know, lip sync for the English dub for the characters. They actually allow, you know, they take that into account of, you know, ability. So the English dub of *Beastars* is actually good. <laughs> know when it comes to that so yeah anyway that was that's all i want to say and now we're going to get into some actual serious criticisms i have for the movie so this movie is called so here's my next point second to last point so the movie is called lupin the third the first right and that's kind of you know and how marketing has also brought it you know with the trailers This has something to do with Lupin's grandfather, Lupin the First. And while be it, that is actually true to an extent, you know, Lupin the First, you know, is, you know, a part of the movie in some way. He doesn't feel like he has that much impact on the overall movies. He's more just kind of a plot device to have Lupin Have like kind of a sort of a personal stake. In the movie's plot. So yeah. My criticism I guess would be. that The Lupin the First. Is only used as a tool. To create you know. A personal stake for. The character Lupin the Third. As opposed to actually being. A character. You know. Like here's the thing. Professor Bresson. He is used for you know, that for Letitia. But the difference being is that Professor Bresson feels like he has more of an impact on, you know, the overall plot with his journal, and we actually seen footage of him before he dies. You know, so we feel more of his involvement in the movie. For, meanwhile, up in the first, it's kind of more just little side thesis here, like, oh, Bresson was working with a benefactor To, you know, that funded his projects, which we kind of just put two and two together. To, oh, Lupin feels somewhat nostalgic to the journal. And he realizes, oh, that has the Lupin family crest. That's why. You know, and then there's the death, you know, tunnel scene. You know, the laser death tunnel scene. That really had, you know, that had his grandfather's hat and cane. But yeah, it's just it's kind of a shame for a movie that's called Lupin the Third the First that Lupin the First does it overall could have been really kept out of the plot and there wouldn't have been that much of a change. There would have not been that much impact. And finally, my final dislike and criticism, and this is a big one. This movie falls to you know way too closely to the you know Kaliostra formula. Now, what is the caliostro formula? Well, it's a formula that I mentioned is all the way back when I did my Castle of caliostro review. It's a formula that Lupin movies have used since that movie came out in 1978. You know where Lupin you know. Gets involved with a really big conspiracy, you know, plan, you know, with new villains. There's a girl, new girl that's involved, you know, with the plot. And yeah, this one just feels like it follows that formula to a T. And it's a real shame because, you know, that's that's what's really holding this movie back and what's holding all Lupin movies post Castle of Cagliostro back. You know, or should I say, most? Not all of them. Some do differentiate, but I haven't seen them yet. But most of them follow this formula. And for a character that's supposed to, you know, represent freedom and adventure, it's a shame that they just stick so damn close to this formula. This formula really holds this movie back, unfortunately. You know, like, if you like, just this movie could have been better if it wasn't sticking to the shadows of Castle of Calisto. Yes, Calisto is a fantastic movie, one of the best. One, I shouldn't say best. I will say one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. But for the love of God, let Lupin do something different in these movies, then follow that formula. Uh, it's so frustrating. But anyway, on to my overall thoughts. This is my, I will say, out of all the loop in the third movies, this is my second favorite movie right behind Castle of Cagliostro. But it it could have been better if it didn't follow the Cagliostro formula. So there you go. Those are my thoughts on the movie. And, but... I don't know why I said and then then but that makes that's a weird sentence so structure. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is we have the return of John vs. Uh, versus uh, critics, and here we have a two out of ten star review from IMDb of Lupin the third to first. That came out in January 26, twenty twenty one. The user is known as Mugen is here. And the title is "Crazy Horrible Movie." So, let's see why Lupin the Third the First is a crazy horrible movie, according to Mugen here. And by the way, don't go out to this review. You know, this review and harass him. This is all for fun. But anyway, he starts off with, "If you watch animes, you've known you've no doubt heard of Jesus Yamato from Gundam Seed." This guy can basically turn up anywhere and owns every person in the area. I've actually have not heard of Jesus Yamato. I've watched anime for a long time. You know, then again, maybe it's because I haven't watched a lot of Gundam anime. I've only seen, you know, some, I've only seen the first half of Iron Blooded Orphans, and a, like, uh, the original Mobile Suit Gundam. But nothing from Gundam Seed, And yeah. This is the first time I've heard of Jesus Yamato. And. You know. I actually had to Google search him. And pretty much it just is. He's. Pretty much a character that can do anything. And there's has faces no problems whatsoever. So why did. Mugen bring up. You know. Jesus Yamato. Well. He says, Lupin is very similar. He owns every situation and is always on top of everything. There's never anything that's surprising for him because he's always expecting whatever is happening. He has already done the things in the past that will take care of the future. The only plot twist is to get to know what he did. So let's break that down. First of all, Lupin is that is kind of the charm of Lupin is that he is you know a super confident dude but he's also a very wacky dude but if you actually look at you know actually watch you know Lupin media he doesn't always know what's happening and even in this movie like during the trials there's a lot of figuring out what he has to do and you know when desk corridor when he saw that you know, he initially didn't know did not know what to do. He was only able to, you know, figure it out because of a clue his grandfather left, you know, to do it. And but we see him figure out how to coordinate, you know, the tunnel. Like that's the thing with Lupin. He's a super confident dude and he has every right to be. But he doesn't really know what's gonna happen next. He's just very mm. observant. He knows Oh, is how to put two and two together. We see where he finds the clues. You know, we see where he, how he figures stuff out. You know. Like, again, even in an earlier scene when Leticia accidentally turns the key and activates the bar, um that the uh, jur- Preston's journal is, you know, encasing this, you know, lock that needs like a combination as well but they have like 60 seconds Lupin didn't know the answer right away you know and he had to figure it out but yeah anyway so you know part of it is yeah we get to see how he does things but Lupin is also not some omnipotent oh i know everything you know he's more he's he's like a super confident dude who just knows how to figure st- But who knows how to adapt to his situations, I guess. And even then, you know, some of the stuff is luck. Like, he jumped out of the plane without a parachute to save Letitia, and he admits it. It's like, yeah, I, uh, (laughs) you know, I jumped without thinking, and it was up to Fujiko to save him. And there's plenty of examples just within this movie where that's just kind of a, wrong statement you know lupin doesn't know everything he's just super confident you know and there's a lot of this movie where you know where he has some close calls but yeah i just find that be you know a very wrong statement and also that's not a very that's not very critical to this movie he's this, I find this criticism be more of Lupin the Third franchise. Which how dare you, sir? How dare you insult this franchise with that? But I guess that's your opinion. Anyway, he starts off with the next, you know, paragraph by saying, "That's very kiddo." What is that even? That's very kiddo. Is is it? I feel like this guy loves is like very infatuated with. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I don't want my goals, you know, not to agonize the reviewer, but I'm just questioning that sentence. That's very kiddo. What does that even mean? Like, does he mean that's very, you know, childish, very immature? What? Like, I know kiddo is used to, you know, like, Hey, you know, Hey kiddo, how's it going? You know, what's used to describe, you know, a person or anything, but when it comes to a movie, you know, describing you know. Wait, just said. I, I don't know. Is that a typo? What's what's up with that sentence? And yeah, that's a sentence. That's very kiddo, and that's the start of the next paragraph as well. you know, So I'm very confused. What's the criticism here? Anyway, he goes on and says the samurai could have, you know, could have gone a hell lot more screen time because he was a cool character. Yeah, I mean, I will agree with that, but refer to him as, you know, Goemon. <laughs> He's not just the samurai. Could have gone. And also, he was a cool character. And he says, the girl could have stood up for herself a little more throughout the movie. I mean, part of it, is, Like, okay, so that's the problem. The girl. Are you talking about Leticia? Are you talking about Fujiko? You know, that, that's the thing You gotta be a little, you know, specific I mean, you're reviewing this on IMDB So you got the cast list right there uh, Buddy, use that But I think he's talking about Letitia And to that stand She she has, you know stuff for herself a little bit more But the problem is she, you know, she was raised by a narcissist You know, with a fragile ego And, you know and She is trying to get, you know She was raised you know to be helpless But in that movie we've seen her To be very capable You know Of herself The problem is she just doesn't want to be a thief She wants to be an archaeologist And even then she puts her life on the line By trying to destroy the black hole device So And also if you're But that's for Leticia If you're describing Fujiko What are you even talking about dude That paragraph is weird And then he goes on and says The villains had absolutely No death to why They were doing what they were doing Other than because I'm great and I win What? (laughs) Okay so I guess you know no Let's not talk about how Lambert You know had that conflict between Using Letitia And actually caring for her You know Or all that, or Gerald's, you know, undying faith to, you know, evil mustache guy. But... Really? Dude. You know... They were doing... Like, there was not just a, I'm great and I win. I mean, yeah, with Lambert, he was like... That's was part, you know, it's like he thinks he's the greatest ship, but he has a very fragile ego and he, you know, lashes out and at anybody who attacks him. But again, the thing is that makes his character more interesting is that he's not all evil. In fact, you know, he does care for Leticia. Even if he was initially using her as a tool, he fused her as, you know, viewed her as his own, you know, granddaughter. And Geraldo, no, he was saying, he was saying his, you know, Lord and Master evil mustache guy was the great and that he should win. But I, I don't know where you got this. I'm great and I win. Sentiment. Anyway, the reviewer Mugan here, he says, my recommendation is to skip this movie if you're above 12 years old. I say... And my response to that is I recommend this movie if you are 12 years and older and even if you're younger with parent supervision. (laughs) I I definitely do not recommend skip this movie. It's very beautiful. And I think, yeah, this is a weird two out of 10 star review. I don't know. I I, I, kind of question if this person is 12 years old. 12 years or older. I don't know. Just the way you type it, man. Could could use some work. But anyway, thank you for that entertaining review. Mugen is here. And that is it for... You know, this episode of... Lupin the 3rd. The 1st. And for... You know, Lupin Month in 2022. And next month, well... I'll let, you know, the outro, you know, do it. So anyway, this is it for the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean.com, and, and we got a new one. We also got Podcast Addict. You know, so I might be adding more podcasts, you know, places. I might just add them all. But yeah, that, that's how we're doing it. You know, and also in the links below, follow me on the socials. And thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic day. And now have a f- amazing, lupin, spectacular day. Take care.